over two decades, it has been the lone constant in WWE. The one true certainty at WrestleMania. The streak. The Phenom! The Prince of Darkness! It is a standard that has no equal. Undefeated at WrestleMania! 21 times the very best have tempted fate. 21 times they have failed. All victims of the ultimate seduction. To be the one to end it all. Legends, giants, champions, icons have all crashed upon the rocks of this irresistible temptation. Their mangled bodies piling up with each passing year. He is truly superhuman! 21 0 at WrestleMania! Is there no man who can defeat this collector of souls? Ladies and gentlemen, you're going live from Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, on What's up everyone, welcome to another episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. We are coming to you live from the comfort of our own homes because... The beast in the east storm from Siberia has uh, created a lot of snowfall in Glasgow this week. So we are unable to come to you live from the studio. Instead, we're now from the comforts of our own home. But we're bringing you another great show uh, because, you know, we love wrestling and we want to keep the show going, as we always do. Now, last week uh, we were discussing uh, the... Risking <laughs> the uh, WWE Hall of Fame and this week as opposed to not the best and worst of Wrestlemania we're discussing the Undertaker's streak this week and with me today is our is our full panel to discuss the ins and outs the highs and lows of this illustrious streak so, but first of all, I am your host, the king of kayfabe, the modern-day Maharajah, David Hockney. And joining me today, we have the set-piece oh, king, Ross McLeod. All right, man, how are you doing? Yep, good. Uh, we also have the president of the Glasgow University Pro Wrestling Society, Andy Mitchell. Hey, how's it going? Yep, good to have you. Uh, our glorious leader, Stephen Wilson. Hello, how's it going? Yay, yeah, hey. And, of course, for the first time hooked up to a mic, it's uh, our EP, Mr. Kwaku Ajay. All right. After last week's end to the show, I thought your name would be the modern-day Botchamania. Well, you <laughs> might as well be, yeah, because it's... Uh, the way I ended last week's show is I got the um, the show title wrong, so that was uh, that was my bad. But, yeah, every so today's show, every WWE superstar loves for the opportunity to compete at WrestleMania, and it's even better to win on the grand stage. But there is one particular superstar who has won a fair few times to say the least and that man is the undertaker with 23 wins racked up on the grandest stage now just to put that into perspective the um some of the all-time greats have had a fair few wins at wrestlemania but none are in comparison to the undertaker's amazing 23 
So, for example, we have John Cena with 10 wins, Triple H with 9, Kane and Hulk Hogan both have 8, and we also have some others, Randy Orton and Edge both have 6, including The Rock and Shawn Michaels also with 6. Uh, but yeah, the uh, all of those guys have lost a fair few matches as well. and But none of them have had a distinctive streak of wins, per se, except The Undertaker's is probably the most recognisable, with having 21 wins in a row, since it first, uh, since he first competed at WrestleMania in 1991, so we're going to spend the next uh, half hour, hour and a half to talk about some of the best matches of the streak, what could have happened, what should have happened, and what will happen next. So, uh, gents, I'm going to throw it out to you straight away. Uh, what do you think of the streak as a whole? Do you think it's one of the most recognizable things about WWE? Uh, probably, uh, especially since they started actually referring to it properly back in two thousand and five. Mm-hmm. That's when it really became like more iconic. It was something they referred to in passing in times before that. But when yeah. they actually started making it like it was essentially like a championship, it almost did feel like have that championship presence to it. Yeah. Well, it was essentially for some years it was bigger than the championship. You look at. Uh, mm-hmm. WrestleMania 25 and 26, they were arguably yeah. bigger than the championship match. Uh, Alan, Andy, any comments at all? I think we uh, lost Alan. Yeah, Alan's gone by the... Was he gone? <laughs> yeah. You didn't, inter- gone. you didn't introduce him anyway, so... Is, is this- <laughs> yeah. no. no, you didn't. Another botch by Dave. <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking of the streak, uh, I do think it was like uh, towards the end before it... Uh, it was over. It was a hell of a selling point. It was one of the reasons you wanted to watch WrestleMania. You know, it, it is kind of you know, it's just it's the streak. What else can you say that hasn't been said? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but yeah, we've, uh, you mentioned as well. Has it become bigger than title matches? That's uh, that's one of the points we're going to discuss uh, a bit later on. Uh, but I want to start off with uh, some of the earlier matches from the the WrestleMania streak. Uh, his first few matches, uh, he was faced a couple of WWE Hall of Famers, the first being Superfly Jimmy Snuka at WrestleMania 7. Now, that match last, didn't even last five minutes, but it was Undertaker's first definitive win on the grand stage. Uh, yeah. Does anybody remember the first initial uh, match with Superfly Snuka? Because I don't believe there was really a distinctive storyline going into that into that match. No, I think it was just the the passing of the torch, really. I've I've went back and watched the match, and it really just looks like we've got a new guy here. We've got nothing for Jimmy Snooker to do. Let's just let's just put Undertaker over. Yeah, I mean, because Undertaker arrived at the uh, the nineteen ninety Survivor Series, which was uh, about six four four to six months uh, ago, and yeah, he he really sort of came out swinging when he first arrived uh, on the scene. So having his first match against such a, an established name, I think that definitely made him a force to be reckoned with. But yeah, the the following year he had a more um, he had a more notable storyline with Jake the Snake Roberts uh, because there was a a situation where I think uh, Jake actually trapped the Undertaker's hand in the casket, and yeah, he also, that's sort of, he, he also tried to take out Miss Elizabeth. From that's the right, yeah. But yeah, so there was some animosity between the two of them going into it. But again, it wasn't, not a lot of people remember it. I don't know if it was just because it was uh, so early in his career. But again, Undertaker at, the sa- at that time was still a relatively new superstar. 
It was amazing time. how emphatic of a win he got over Jake at the time. It showed kind of obviously Jake was probably towards the end of his first WWE run, but to be put to, for Jake to put him over in such comprehensive fashion, yeah. with the tombstone on the outside of the ring as well. That that was the one thing I remembered the most. There was the fact that Jake got tombstoned uh, on the mats outside rather than in the ring. He was and also like, not allowed uh, to bring the snake. You know, he wasn't allowed to bring Damien to the ring. <laughs> Well, what's the point of that then? I mean, the snake was pretty much Jake's trademark. I mean, yeah, other than that, without the snake, he'd just be called Jake. Here comes Jake. Just call him Jake. Yeah, I, the Undertaker versus Jake. He has a sub name. What? He has, he has a sub name. Yeah, I know that. Snake Robert. What the why would it just be called Jake? This is, this is top level wrestling punditry here. Oh, top banter. <laughs> Maybe that's why Alan dropped off. <laughs> he got bored already. <laughs> right, anyway, uh, back on back on topic here. Um the the third match that in the streak was unfortunately not the uh, the best of the lot because it was the only match where uh, he won the Undertaker won by disqualification and this was the feud with the near eight foot tall giant Gonzalez. Who, oh, what a, what a that match! Was, that was hard at, to watch. I, yeah. I watched that in double speed and it was still terrible. Yeah, <laughs> what's Gonzalez like in double speed? Is it like still slow? Well, Undertaker's fast, but yeah, Giant, Giant Gonzalez is just standing there. It's like a building. Just as a... <laughs> I actually yeah. watched. I watched this back the other day, and uh, the towards the end of the match, you know, when Taker comes back in after the match is finished, the blooming Gonzalez falling to the ground is the worst, and I mean the worst thing you'll ever see in your life. The, the thing is, though, it's like Undertaker's over. It's like the, the the fans' reactions he gets, like the match is bad, but he still gets a big pot. You know when he comes out and stuff, and it's just it, you know it just shows what you know that mystique he has already. This is what his third WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. It was his third WrestleMania, and it was considered probably one of the worst WrestleManias of all time. It was WrestleMania nine. <laughs> that's my guilty pleasure show. That what? Yeah, <laughs> WrestleMania nine really? is my guilty pleasure show. It's just so bad, but at the same time, it's get like the it's the worst WrestleMania ever, but it's got the best set ever. It's so good, but well, yeah. so shit at the same time. Well, you, you could you could watch Bobby Heenan coming down on a cow like all day long, coming on a toga as well. Oh, I think it's yeah. Maximus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the re- the way Giant Gonzalez sort of came about, it was um, during the middle of the Undertaker's feud with uh, manager Harvey Whippleman. And, mm. But yeah, that's when those two were having a feud, and during the Royal Rumble, Whippleman brought out Gonzalez attacked The Undertaker at the Royal Rumble and that set up the match. So I think Giant Gonzalez, he he was just a big guy. I mean, you know, like you said before, him slow moving around the ring, he was like the the original incarnation of Kali. I don't know what was worse, his wrestling or his attire. Oh, Oh, let's not dust the attire. The attire was legendary. The attire was just an eyesore. I mean, it's 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 the fact that the attire had, like, it was. It had hair. It wasn't like hair on it, but it had hair drawn on to certain places. <laughs> I, like, it's just like, what? Yeah. Why? Again, just an eyesore. I mean, well, if he didn't have the hair, it'd be just a big Photoshop wang he was walking about. With. I mean, so let's <laughs> let's thank the hair. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, let's uh, let's just forget about that as a <laughs> as a streak win because it was the only one in his uh, out of all of his twenty three WrestleMania wins that it was by disqualification. Every other win was was an emphatic win by a pinfall or submission, or uh, by also one was by a casket. But I'll get into that a bit later on. Mm. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so moving on from like, his first uh, his first few matches, he also went on to have. Uh, a couple more sort of mostly forgettable ones. It was uh, WrestleMania 11. He had King Kong Bundy, who was about, yeah. what, 500 pounds at the time. He was just like a big, he was just a, just a, again, just another big guy, but he was more round than he was tall. Yeah, I think, I think Gonzalez, Gonzalez was the start of this, <laughs> this infatuation WWE had with having somebody big take out the Undertaker, like a King Kong Bundy, a Cali, a Mark Henry over time. It just seemed to be the, the well, tired old trait. Have you ever seen someone manhandle the Undertaker like this? If you look back, he didn't really face a guy with any like sort of real speed until WrestleMania 21 when he took on Orton. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Superfly Jimmy Snooker, arguably on his day, had was speed, but the point he faced Undertaker, he was pretty much just... Triple H was pretty well, well, well-rounded, I'd say. Well rounded, but he's not a guy you associate with any speed. He's a powerful guy, you know. Well, he was certainly a lot faster a than some of the uh, the sort of big men the Undertaker faced. Well, he was faster than Bundy. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, uh... Kamala. Kamala nowadays is faster than Bundy, and he's lost both feet. <laughs> but yeah, no. Following the match with King Kong Bundy, he uh, WrestleMania 12 he faced Diesel, Big Daddy Cool, Kevin yeah, Nash, and this was uh, this was just before. Uh, Diesel, Kevin Nash had made the jump to WCW in in '96. See, I quite liked that match. I thought that was, was it? quite. Was I think quite they good. could. I think if it wasn't for Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, I think that one would have probably been the one to watch. Mm. Was it was it I, three jackknives they had to do? Was it two or three? He did about three, yeah, 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 but three jackknives, yeah. I think it's as you were saying as well about it's it's a show. It's a it's a six match show. And yeah. people only ever remember that one because it goes an hour, the significance of it, you know, the fact that it's two of the best of all time. Mm-hmm. And when you go back and watch this show, and you go, oh, well, there is one or two wee hidden things on this. And that's one nah, of them. There's episodes. a few hidden gems from WrestleMania 12, which was practically, it was a one-match WrestleMania that year, so most of the other Manias were pretty forgetful because it had an outstanding main event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um... And it also took him. It also took the Undertaker like five years before he got to compete for the WWE title in the main event of WrestleMania, and that was like his first, like last match main event at WrestleMania. Because you know you get the whole vibe at WrestleMania, like oh, a main event is just one of the big high-profile matches. I disagree. The main event is the match that goes on last. Mm-hmm. Would you guys say that's fair? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's fair. Sorry, I sorry, I couldn't hear you there. Could you say that again? Oh, sorry. Are you talking to me or Andrew? Uh, I, both of you, yeah. <laughs> Andy, on you go. I'll answer after you. <laughs> uh, what was the question again? <laughs> should, yeah, we're just saying, um, is a WrestleMania main event, should, should that just be the match that goes on last or would you just consider it like a marquee match that could be anywhere on the card? No, I do think it's like last match because it's, it is the main event. It's what people pay to see. Yeah, well, Undertaker event 
uh, going by this context, uh, was against Psycho Sid, WrestleMania 13 for the WWE title. And unfortunately, it wasn't one of his best ones. No. Which, uh, is, it, it kind of sort of, uh, you know, being a championship match, it's supposed to be the best match of the night. Well, I think it's fair, but it, it's fair to say it was kind of ruined in a way by the fact that Bret Hart was out every five minutes. Yeah. Sticking his nose yeah. in there. It was kind of like Bret Hart overkill. Yeah, and was Shawn Michaels known commentary for that match yeah, as well? What was the point in that? That was so oh, That was what it was. Uh, he he should not have been near a live mic at that time in his life. He was just a bit... <laughs> yeah, that's when he was going through his uh, his big development. He lost his smile. And <laughs> yeah, he was dealing with injuries and stuff. Yeah, just, yeah uh, he didn't he did need to be on commentary. Not, again, I think WrestleMania 13 was sort of overshadowed by... Bret Hart and Stone Cold with their excellent submission match, a one-match show yeah. for the second year in a row. As they always say, it's just that like, that WrestleMania is just about that match. Skip every other one. So fair enough. Uh-huh. Taker did win the title, but it wasn't. It was a. I watched it last night, and it's just not a very good match. It's just very boring and slow. I mean, Psycho Sid wasn't really the best worker in the ring either. He was a bit sloppy at times. No, but he was very over at that point in time. Uh, yeah, very, he was over. Yeah, he was a over. very good I heel. When he beat uh, Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series the year before, and the crowd were paying for him to win that belt. It, they, he was so over, and then he kind of, they kind of mucked up with him. So just right. he was just a victim of bad booking. Anyway, yeah. I think it was more the fact as well that Shawn Michaels was kind of like the way you see Roman Reigns in a pay per view at, uh, at that point in his career. It's it's not who's fighting reigns that matters it's just the fact that it's anyone but Roman mm-hmm. and that was yeah. people took that attitude towards Shawn Michaels in the 95-96 era because they just they didn't believe him was champion so I think once the the goodwill of beating Shawn Michaels passed and then they realised uh, he's he's no the best and we've got somebody we're like the Undertaker in the main event it was just a case of people checked out the intrigue wasn't in Sid the intrigue was in can we get this belt off Shawn Michaels? Uh-huh. Because he wasn't a pop... Because HBK wasn't a popular guy with the, the roster back back in that, around that time. Oh, no, no, he does. He, he's 2002-2010 runs amazing. But he, he does really uh-huh. well. With, I mean, with like in the 90s and stuff, he wasn't very popular. Because wasn't the original main event supposed to be the rematch, Bret Hart versus Michaels? But then... That's right, yeah. But he that was, uh, that was the one where Bret Hart was supposed to go over. But uh, HBK was having none of it. And that's how we got the the Bret Hart Austin submission match. It's also how we got Shawn Michaels losing his smile. <laughs> ah, yes. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Do you think he found it when he was on a commentary? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, uh, going past uh, Psycho Sid to the following year, which unfortunately wasn't a title match, but it was the most hotly anticipated feud of that year, WrestleMania 14. It was again his. It was his first encounter with Kane. Just after Kane had made his debut at the Hell in a Cell match between it's him and be Kane, sorry, I couldn't... it's got to be Kane. Yeah, <laughs> it's still my still my favourite entrance in WrestleMania history was Takers that night. Yeah, best best debut for Kane. Yeah, no, 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 no I'm not talking about Kane. I'm talking about Takers that at WrestleMania when he when he took on Kane. His entrance that oh, night right, was yeah. unreal. It was so good. Is that when he came out with the torches? That's the first time he the did druids, the, the first time yeah. he did the torches, yeah. With the, the druids. druids coming out with the torches, yeah. And remember, this was like um, Undertaker in his full-blown dead man ministry sort of attire. So he, he looked proper scary. Yeah, but it, it was it was a good match in a way. 
you know. No, yeah, it was a good match because obviously there was the storyline, there was the history, there was the build-up. It was definitely, it was definitely one to watch, and it took Taker three tombstones to beat Kane in that match because yeah, Kane looked strong even in defeat. He looked strong. It was like it was like Taker almost said like out of that yeah. You couldn't have had a better starting match for Kane, despite the fact that he, he might have lost it. Yeah, because he gets the because he tombstones Kane, doesn't he? At the end, and then it's Kane's the one that's walking away while Taker's in the ring laying down. Ah, uh-huh. it's almost like uh, like WrestleMania 27, where Triple H may have lost that match, but Taker was the one who had to get carried out on a stretcher, so Triple H still looked relatively strong. Yeah, I think. Would, you, would that be fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, I think. I think both times was it was the right thing to do if Taker be laid out because you know Kane and Undertaker continued to feud through 1998 and then obviously uh-huh. WrestleMania 27 led to WrestleMania 28. You know, and then they both. had the they had the Inferno match as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about Kane and the Undertaker. They always had great feuds, they, but the matches just like were fire just, as well. <laughs> the matches just were like just fire. no. <laughs> the matches were just nah. Uh, they were just. It was just the, the fact that the feud was so good that when it got in the ring, it was never going to live up to the feud. The feud, yeah. So yeah. you think it was just like the too much hype for uh, an average match, basically? Yeah. Well, it, the fact that you know the storyline is people getting set in fire and you know people being murdered and all that. You know, once you're in the wrestling ring and it's like, oh, if you kick him below the belt, it's a DQ. It kind of takes away for everything. Know what I mean. Can you imagine if the imagine what if the WrestleMania match they had was the Inferno match? I mean, how good would that be? Yeah, yeah it's certainly been a spectacle. Considering it's WrestleMania, and that's when you need yeah. to put the big spectacles on. It's like you need the uh, the big sort of payoff moment, and I think having the Inferno match, which was a big payoff match, if that was if that was uh, on at WrestleMania 14, I think you would have had it a lot more had a lot more memorable one. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah. Uh, but you're moving on to WrestleMania 15 now. Uh, the following year is probably one I think most people want to forget, uh, simply because the Taker's opponent this year was essentially hung, drawn, and quartered uh, from the Hell in a Cell oh, structure. Oh, yep, it was the, the match with the Big Boss Man in probably the worst Hell in a Cell match in history, uh, only remembered by the fact that Boss Man was, was hung from the cell see, after after Taker see, won. See, this is the thing. See, you just talked about the other, uh, David with the Inferno match, uh, how that would have been a spectacle having that sort of match at WrestleMania. This is an example why it doesn't always work. Having a marathon uh-huh. match, a Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania against the boss man. I mean, what was the point in having it as a Hell in a Cell purely for that moment at the end? And even then, it's probably up there Maybe. as one of the most distasteful moments in WrestleMania history. Yeah, yeah and the fact that boss man's in the Hall of Fame as well, I think that was the uh, because B- Boss Man was a posthumous inductee as well, i.e. passed away before he was inducted. There's, there should be, there uh, should be no the, disrespect to the Boss Man. I mean, the Boss Man's second run, he was much more capable in the ring than he was in his initial run. Yeah, yeah he was a more entertaining character as well in that second mm. run. Yeah. yeah, he lost a lot of weight from uh, the gen- the new generation years. Yeah. It's just kind of like, the whole kind of thing didn't feel, it was, kinda, it was the heel versus the heel and the hell in the cell. I mean, it didn't really, it didn't really merit having that sort of match. I mean, we'll probably, there's another similar match we may talk about later on, which is the same. Nah, yeah, because yeah, Hell in a Cell, even at that time, it started that mystique because the last Hell in a Cell was the uh, King of the Ring. Yeah, because so it, 
They yeah. talked about it various times in the match. You look at, uh, they said, like, anybody who took on Taker in the cell had never been the same again since. So they referred to his match with Michaels and his one with Mankind. This one did not have the exact same thing. I mean, the only real thing they really did was Bossman handcuffed Taker at the cell, hits him with one nightstick, and he breaks the handcuffs by falling. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's just full of bad. It's just a botch fest. Even yeah. the end, it's a botch because like, the brood come down and take forever trying to get that the top of the cell in the like, yeah and this was during the ministry angle as well I think there was the the corporate ministry was going on at the time oh no fairness it's a, it's a spot that you would want them to take their time to make sure it works you know it's not one like oh we'll rush it it's like I, but no, no, it's, it's, it's them trying to get the rope through the cell it's like they're taking forever to do they can't get it just through right it's just so daft yeah the whole thing yeah I've written Everything bar the, the finish where, you know, Bossman is hung, which I think we've spoke about as what is, was something that wasn't needed. The match mm. itself was a glorified street fight. Like, as you were saying, what is the need for the Hell in the Cell? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it was just like the reason, maybe the Hell in a Cell stipulation itself is maybe just a, the drawing factor for it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they expected a big, uh, big sort of blow off clash in Satan's structure, but it just it just fell apart. Mm-hmm. I think it was that's why we're talking about the heel v heel dynamic. No one, uh, to be honest with you, leading up to the match, no one cared. It was yeah, it was the Rock v Stone Cold. That again, a one match mania. Yeah, and even even still, I mean, you know, the Rock's a megastar now, but at this point, he was the heel champion. He wasn't the people's champion at this point. This was really it wasn't even a one match mania. It was a one man mania. It was just we want to see Stone Cold win that title again. Uh huh. And that was really the only drawn power of the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll we'll discuss the uh, the best and worst of WrestleMania at a future show. Uh, but uh, a... <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's a good preview you've got there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, if you want to if you want to listen to uh, some of Suplex retweets uh, past shows, you can uh, listen to us on iTunes podcasts if you're on uh, Apple. Or you can listen to us on Castbox FM for PC and Android. We are also now on Anchor as well, so be sure to follow us on there. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, at we are at Suplex Retweet. Be sure to give our Facebook page a like. And yeah, we've got uh, we're on all social media outlets, including Instagram. Give us a follow. Let us know your thoughts of the uh, of the Undertaker streak. Okay, so that was his. Uh, WrestleMania 15 was his last sort of ministry persona sort of match. And he wasn't at WrestleMania 16 uh, the following year. So it was sort of like a wee break, I think, because he was injured at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that, yeah, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So the only WrestleManias he missed was uh, WrestleMania 16 and or WrestleMania 2000, as it's known. And also WrestleMania 10, where he had that sort of gap between Giant Gonzalez and King Kong Bundy. But yeah. Uh, it's weird for- to think, though, looking back, like, Someone like The Undertaker, like Vince, like we've had discussions over the past about should he retire, we'll talk about later on what WrestleMania should he retire that. But yeah. it's, it's weird to think at the time, he wasn't on WrestleMania 10 because they had nothing for him. They had nothing for The Undertaker at WrestleMania. That's pretty sad actually, yeah, considering yeah. how the streak in later years became such a staple match. Yeah, I mean, but... like, we were talking earlier about it being a title match. I mean, WrestleMania 25 and 29, you had number mm-hmm. one contender matches on Raw just to see who would go fight The Undertaker. That's right, yeah. But yeah. Um, it's just baffling to think. 
Yeah. So after the big boss man uh, got hung, the Undertaker at this point was up to eight and zero at WrestleMania, which in itself is a pretty impressive WrestleMania streak. Uh, but then he returned at WrestleMania 17 under his American badass gimmick, uh, where he faced uh, in where he first faced Triple H in his first of three matches with the game. Uh, and this was a, a no holds barred street fight. And this is where they fought literally all over the arena for this one. But yeah, um, I think this, the, his first match was with Triple H. Uh, I think it was under hardcore stipulation. I think it really worked given the whole buildup they had uh, surrounding it. The, and it was WrestleMania 17 was considered one of the, the best well-rounded WrestleManias purely because of the not only the storyline build-up in the main event scene, but we also had uh, TLC2. Where do you think Triple H, Undertaker's first match, sort of lies on the WrestleMania 17 card in terms of match quality? See, it's hard, because uh, was it not the match that was on before Rock and Austin? I believe it was, yeah. yeah that's, a hard, that's a hard spot to be in. We kind of see nowadays, it, recent years anyway, it's more safe for the match. It's kind of like a filler. I mean... I watched back, I think it was WrestleMania 22, where before the main event we had Tony Wilson and Candice Michelle, you know, yeah. so it's not normally associated with being the best match in the card, but given what they actually had, they actually worked a really good match. Yeah, no, they, uh, I think given where they were and the fact that it was essentially an, an undercard feud, just uh, in the build, leading in the build-up to Austin Rock 2, uh, yeah, that was. Uh, I think it did all right lots, for lots of men- for what it was. Lots of memorable spots in the match as well. I, I would say. Uh, I mean, it was dubbed as a singles match, but you know they were fighting just about all over the arena but, and but, with but, weapons too. I, I don't see why it's not listed as like a, a no disqualification. It's because it has. It's because it has <laughs> one of the longest so ref bumps in the world from so uh, Undertaker. Was for that long. <laughs> <laughs> was it Kyoto? I think. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think the thing as well that always detracts from it is yeah, the fact that, yeah, it was Kyoto, yeah. again, we were talking about, you know, WrestleMania 15 was just about people watch Stone Cold to win the title. This WrestleMania heading into it, it was Rock Austin at the peak of their powers. You know, it, it was labelled as a one-match show going in, but you consider it was between the Rock Austin match, which is the well-remembered match, and the best match of the night, the TLC2. Mm. It was sandwiched right between the two. It was it's a great match if you watch it on its own. Mm-hmm. But if you watch the show in order, it's why they ones. It's just like, this isn't it. Why, why am I not as into this match? It's Triple H and Undertaker. It's a hardcore match. It's as good as the WrestleMania 27 one, in my opinion. But it's just, it's, it suffers for placement. Mm-hmm. I get, yeah. Uh, but yeah, 18, he faced uh, Ric Flair. I believe that was a no disqualification match as well. Now, there are two, there are two key points I, pick up, I picked up from that fight. You know, it was... Undertaker's tenth match, you know, facing one of the all-time greats in Ric Flair. So I think that was a that was a selling point in itself. But I think one of the uh, the, the more notable spots was I think Flair had Taker in the figure four, and literally Taker just reached out and grabbed him by the neck as if he was going for a choke slam. <laughs> this whole feud was good. Yeah, it was a good feud. And also, what was pretty symbolic yeah. about that one, I'm sort of just going to pick up the pace yeah, the- here. Um, what I thought was quite symbolic about this is like okay. at the end of the match, yeah. Taker was stood on the edge of the ring and he counted with his fingers up to 10, signifying that that was his 10th straight win. Yeah. I think that was that's sort of when people started to realise, hang on, he's he's won 10 times unbeaten now. Yeah, yeah. So this is something we need to take, take notice yeah, of. JR, uh, uh, 
who he mentions at the start of the match. Yeah. It's Undertaker's 10th WrestleMania match, and it's yep. King throughout the match. Just he's Obviously, he's a heel, so he's Barry and Ric Flair being the babyface at this point. Yeah. He's talking about, you know, no one's ever beaten the Undertaker. You know, he's got talking about, like, say, you know, if Kane and Triple H couldn't do it, what chance has Ric Flair got? Ric Flair's passed it, and he keeps, he keeps drilling home the fact that Undertaker is undefeated at WrestleMania. Yeah, well, I think that's sort of where we sort of the seed was planted. But I think the following year, WrestleMania 19, that was his first, that was scheduled to be his first, uh, his first tag team match oh, uh, in <laughs> WrestleMania history. It was supposed to be Undertaker and Nathan yeah. Jones versus Big Show and A Train. But for one reason or another, Nathan Jones was written out. But I think probably because, well, rumor has it that Nathan yeah. Jones just wasn't, it was terrible. Just couldn't work up, just couldn't work the match. Yeah, essentially. It's terrible. It's terrible. Not because he was like injured or anything, because that was the angle they went oh, with. But the fact he was, was just it. so bad in the ring and so green, he was as he was as green in the Incredible Hulk in a tub, vat of pea soup or something. That's how bad he was. <laughs> well, he's been, he's been out for a few months, and it's amazing that they took till the, pretty much the weekend, probably WrestleMania, to realize we cannot have this guy in a match with the Undertaker. Yeah, again, it was mostly just a forgettable match, but it was the fact that you know the, the most talk, talked about point in that is the fact that Nathan Jones was taken out of it. Although he did get to do one spot in towards the end, I think he got hit big show with like a big boot or something. But that was his only involvement. Yeah, brief, so is it? As Undertaker so it was treated. So it just went in the head as like a handicap match, and Taker still won. It's it's baffling. Like, you know, facing big show, big show or A Train alone, you know, was a challenge enough. But facing both of them, I think Michael Cole called it the Undertaker's undefeated WrestleMania streak is in serious jeopardy. <laughs> But was it really? Standard Cole. Because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't Standard convinced. Standard Cole. Standard Cole, just types <laughs> things up too much. It was one of the other ones as well. It was, you know, you talk about Nathan Jones being that bad that they took him at a WrestleMania match. How bad was Nathan Jones for the simple fact that, I mean, Undertaker is feuds with Giant Gonzalez, as we talked about, and the Great Cali. So how bad was Nathan Jones that they didn't even want him teaming with Undertaker? No, I know, yeah. That's why they wanted you need to go back and think, like, Right, if he it kind of if he was that bad, I mean, it was like I don't, I think it was maybe a bit too reckless in the ring, and they didn't want you know him teaming with a top star, and then two of SmackDown big monster heels at the time. Like now, we we don't want him anywhere near yeah. that ring. And then he team with Big Show and A Train at Survivor Series a few months prior as well. A few months later, like they sort of turned him yeah. face. No, they turned the heel. Oh, yeah. it was uh, after. Yeah. But, was he known yeah, like, was was, like was, team? He was on yeah, Team Lesnar. Survival Series. Like, uh, uh, That's right. Yeah, Lesner, Team Lesnar. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Morgan. Matt Morgan as well. Yeah, so it's, but yeah, how bad was he that uh, at the match? <laughs> there was that. It was that bad. So again, I, probably another forgettable one. But everything from around WrestleMania 20 onwards, I think that was the sort of turning point for when the streak formally got recognised. Because at WrestleMania 20, and this was probably my personal favourite comeback that he had uh, of the uh, of his uh, Wrestlemania yeah. run. He, he returned to his dead man persona after being buried alive uh, at the 2004 Survivor Series. Uh, he was buried by Kane as well and that was, for the first time in the streak's history, he faces uh, one of his past opponents for a second time. And that JR emphasised as well how big the streak was at the time. It was, uh, he mentioned that Undertaker's never lost. He's eleven and O. Like specifically giving the figure and acknowledging it as Taker made his entrance. And from that point on, the streak sort of became formally acknowledged on the build up. 
uh, to WrestleMania every year. Like, take um, WrestleMania 21, for example. That's when Randy Orton was in his sort of legend killer phase. And Orton was just uh, emphasizing on and on that he's the legend killer. He's going to uh, kill the streak of The Undertaker, kill the legend, uh, and make it uh, 12 in 1. And that was essentially the first time I think the streak itself became the sort of focal point for uh, future WrestleManias. Uh, but yeah, it was there were sort of rumours floating around that maybe Orton should have been the one to break the streak as well. But we'll come into that a bit more detail uh, a bit later on. Can I just so, say as well, see the build-up you were talking about? Yeah. Uh, Kane's build-up. Uh, you know, it was the first time he thought, fought someone again. I really like the build-up for this match for the simple fact we knew he was coming back as maybe the dead man because, you know, you had the build-up, you had the Royal Rumble spot where the gong went off. And you had the segments, like the, the promo video packages as well. Yeah. It had all the uh, like sort of Ministry Mystique dead man yeah. sort of back in, material to it. Yeah, and the, the graphics for each match had Kane without his mask and the side of the Undertaker was just a blacked-out screen with, like, the grave and all that. And, you know... That was... Yeah, that was no, that was the that was very, very well done. Yeah, it's, it's one of the ones you look back and go, that was like, they, we give WWE a lot of stick, but when they get it right, they get it right. And that, that was one. And Res- WrestleMania 20 as a whole was, I think, just one of those times where they got everything right. It's what, just about. It's a weird one to look back on WrestleMania 20 just as a whole. Look at the amount of stars that are on that show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was, uh, it was unreal. Ross, I'm starting to think you actually made notes for best and worst WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> I swear he yeah, That's exactly what he's doing. No, it's just, but yeah, um, the Rock was on that show. That's the only reason I don't like it about uh, But yeah, the streak, uh, the streak continued uh, for the next sort of couple of years. And by this point, by 2008, uh, here's a, one of my uh, usual weekly stats for you. By this point, uh, Undertaker had beaten every single member of Evolution at WrestleMania at least once. So obviously, before we discussed, he beat Triple H and Ric Flair yeah. at um, 17 and 18. He beat Randy Orton at WrestleMania 20, and he beat Batista for the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 23. It was 21 um, he beat Randy Orton. Sorry? It was 21 he beat Randy Orton. That's what I said, 21. You said 20. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I said 21. Listen, start, man. Anyway, let's... <laughs> Anyway, uh, moving on. So, I think one of the more notable streak matches I think we had was uh, WrestleMania 24. Uh, again, 2008, by this point, he'd beaten every member of Evolution. But I think he faced quite a, an interesting challenge in the form of Edge. <laughs> and this was only his second yeah. sort of main event, WrestleMania, for a world title. Uh, because by this point, Edge had always had the Undertaker's number. Undertaker had never beaten Edge in a one-on-one match by this point. And what was also notable is that Edge was also unbeaten in singles matches at WrestleMania. Now, I say singles matches because the year before he was in the Money in the Bank ladder match and he didn't win that. It still technically counts as a loss, but when it comes to sort of one-on-one match, do you count like losing a ladder match as like an official loss? Because it's not like you're taking a pinfall or submission. No, not really. Because I mean, you look at you look at WWE when they book, book undefeated streaks. I mean, they don't really count Survivor Series matches, Battle Royals, and ladder matches. It's it's more the fact. Uh, it's like with you've not been it's like with us. It's like with Asuka's uh, streak. You know, she lost a Battle Royal on NXT, but it it wasn't a pinfall or submission, yeah, exactly. so it doesn't really count as a loss. And you look at the likes of Maga and Rusev who got themselves disqualified or counted out a Survivor Series. Yeah, matches, you know. But yeah, 
this was actually a legitimate streak versus streak match because by this point Edge was uh I believe he was four in zero for one on one matches at WrestleMania. And that could have been used as the sort of main build up for this match. Not just the fact that the world championship was on the line, but because Edge was on an undefeated streak of his own. Mm-hmm. So you could if they build it as like streak versus streak, I think this would have got much more appeal to it. But personally for what we got, I think it really sort of Hit the po- hit the uh, hit the point home essentially. That was a great match. It was a very very good match. It, sh- it showed that Edge is capable of as well on the big stage. I mean, yeah, Edge's Edge's first Edge's first main event at a WrestleMania as well. Considering the fact he's mostly involved in sort of TLC hardcore, just general ladder match stipulations. Mm-hmm. I think this was his first sort of legit one on one match. Well, he fought, yeah. uh, was it Booker T fought at eighteen? Yeah, I was about to say the, the shampoo commercial. Yeah. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. Over a shampoo. Was that for the Intercontinental Championship? No. It wasn't. Oh, oh yeah. The... They lost the IC title no, I before. I think it was Regal. I think Regal fought RVD uh-huh. on that show. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think one of the one of the points I think uh, that was brought up earlier on has it become has the streak itself become bigger than the title matches? Because after twenty four, after you won the World Heavyweight Championship for a second time. Uh, Undertaker by this point was at 15 in 0, which was actually by this point the streak had just uh, it was the selling point of WrestleMania uh, because in later years, you know, if the WrestleMania 25 and 26, he had these matches with Shawn Michaels, which are arguably sort of the the best matches like in WrestleMania history or in WWE history as a whole, and there was also uh, the end of an era, Hell in a Cell where he faced Triple H. This was his third time, whereas the year before it was a no-holds-barred match. For 27, I think that was probably the, the selling point. And it was the only like sort of semi-decent match that year. But the... Uh... I think, they, obviously, they, they, they were pushing Del Rio, but they, I, they don't really like having heels win a world title at WrestleMania. Yeah. They... And the fact that Del Rio was in the opening match for that year's WrestleMania when he won the Royal Rumble, that's just insulting. Yeah, the, I think the fact that the Miz John Cena was done to set up Miz V Rock. They didn't want to put yeah. Del Rio. You mean Cena V Rock? Cena V Rock. <laughs> yeah. Who's making errors now? <laughs> exactly. Right before the fall. <laughs> I think that, that was the saving grace of that WrestleMania for the simple fact. Mm-hmm. Just a case of, you know, I mean, we know about wrestlers that get to a certain point where Vince can't control them a bit, and it was uh-huh. basically Undertaker. See, I thought. I'd have thought the end. Of- I thought the end of an era Hell in a Cell would have sort of been like the um, the sort of actual streak breaker because this was Triple H's third attempt at breaking the streak. And they dub it as end of an era. You think someone's going to give here. And it was, uh, by this point, it was 19-0. and 0, And with the end of an era when it would have made it 20. So I think there was a lot of speculation going around to think, would the streak be broken here and there? Well, that's- because this was a match where Shawn Michaels was the referee as well. Yeah, the sweet music pedigree. I thought match. that was it. Oh, yeah. totally. That was a great, mm-hmm. great bad segment. It's a weird one as well. Sorry, story got into it. Yeah. I was saying the story got into it as well because with Michaels being the special guest, it was like Taylor's basically like, "Are you going to let this man do what you couldn't do?" We talked about Undertaker not being able to walk out of WrestleMania twenty-seven earlier on. Yeah. That, Triple H was businessman Triple H leading into it like Seth Rollins one it was a case of I 
can't get in there and destroy a prospect. And, you know, with this one, it was, I can't get in there and be the guy that destroys the Undertaker. You know, that's not that's not best for business. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the end of an era, you know, I legit thought either Undertaker was going to retire with the streak, like, the just no losses whatsoever, or that would be the moment the streak would get broken. But they sort of disappeared like both Undertaker and Triple H had disappeared. You know, he went Triple H went to be the CEO of the company. Undertaker had just sort of vanished afterwards. Yeah, thought maybe that was his that was his retirement. But then he comes back the uh, the following year, and that's where they set up uh, as mentioned the number one contenders match. It was a fatal four way on old school Raw between Randy Orton, Big Show, Sheamus, and CM Punk. CM Punk wins, yeah. and he got the right to face Undertaker at WrestleMania 29. Again, it was a uh, it's being treated as like a title match. Like someone earns the right to face the Undertaker. Yeah. To break the... Because this is quite an intriguing one. Because CM Punk was obviously embroiled with the, the feud between John Cena and The Rock as well, because CM Punk was the longest reigning WWE champion, 434 days. And he had that match with The Rock at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, where that was his last chance to sort of win back the title. There was um, a lot of speculation that that main event, to avoid the possibility of twice in a lifetime, was that the WWE Championship should have been a triple threat match. The Rock versus Cena versus CM Punk. Now, if that were to happen, who would have been, who do you think should have been Undertaker's WrestleMania 29 opponent? You, you look back in the roster at that time and just think it's either people that had, were either coming to the end of their career so no one would have cared, people who had already fought him, or someone that wasn't ready like there was a like you know the shield were on that show but were any of them ready uh-huh. to an undertake at that point no no none of them were and the other three in the number one contenders match orton sheamus and big show they were the ones who actually faced the shield yeah exactly and and sheamus was the only one who hadn't faced the undertaker before so i think sheamus would have been a nice a nice fresh challenge With Orton coming out, uh, it was actually, there was a lot of sort of, it would have been interesting because he was like, I'm older, you know, I, uh-huh. I've learned from what I was younger. That would have been an interesting match yeah. himself. Yeah, and CM Punk was very like close the Viper to sort of rather the than the legend well. he was, uh, Again, probably the best match of a otherwise sort of average WrestleMania. Yeah, well, but it always seems to be, the streak has always seemed to be the best match from the past uh, few WrestleManias. Well, yeah, for 25 to 29, yeah. you could argue... You know, it might not have been the selling point, but it certainly was. It was the, one of the most. It was the most standout match. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, last probably best the best match. Street, one of the best street uh, matches was, was probably CM Punk, but I think the Shawn Michaels uh, two-parter was. I think probably takes the takes the crown on that one. Oh, yeah. so, I'm oh right, you mean the last, the last good, well, best one? Really it was every, the last. Uh, good win because see the following year that's when the world was shook to its core because the Undertaker was 21 and 0 21 Wrestlemania is not one loss and Wrestlemania 30 the streak gets broken by Brock Lesnar what was your reaction to it because I think actually do I even need to ask the question because I mean I think the the stunned silence sort of explained itself Really, I had it spoiled for oh, me, so I didn't sucks. have that same reaction. Which, uh, yeah, I was, I, yeah, I was supposed to watch it the next day. Like I had work, and I went to my mates, and all my mates yeah. and I was 
oh, something's happening, this, and it's going to make you sad. You're going to be upset. I was like, and I was just like, he kept saying it every mm. time a match was coming up, and I just figured that out. I was like, he got beaten. Tom Abbey calling you out on the show. I think some of you guys were there with me. Uh, I remember watching, I think the whole room, you could hear a pin drop. That's mm. how shocking it was. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the guy that guy's face just, though. Just that, that, yes, is, that was it. Just like face dropped. It's like uh, what? The, but I, I think that was everybody's reaction. The thing I remember, like this is quite a weird way of saying it. Like that day, I had really bad food poisoning. Uh huh. Um, I wasn't. I know. This is like bear with me. Bear with me. Um. And I was uh, I was watch I was watching it, but because I had to, like, I was allowed to eat that day. I was in and out of sleep because I was just so sleepy. But I woke up right at the moment when when that F five hit, and then I was like, oh, 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 that kind of reaction. Yeah. Like, suddenly, I just felt more ill again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, we'll discuss uh, the breaking of the streak uh, in just a few moments. But not only was our reaction so jaw dropping, but we're now going to look at some superstars' reactions to the streak being broken. So we'll get that clip up up uh, up there for you. But when we come back, we'll be discussing uh, what happened after the streak was broken, uh, some of the sort of background stories to the streak itself. Also, discuss our favourite streak matches as well. So uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Here's some superstar reactions. This is Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. When the Undertaker Street came to an end, I was about 10th or 11th row up in the bleachers watching it happen and I ended up sitting with a buddy of mine who happened to be there as well and when the three count happened we both looked at each other and the exact same time went holy what Undertaker did going for over two decades of Wrestlemania going in some of the greatest performers from the 80s and 90s that he was competing against to the modern crop I don't think will ever be replicated I personally hate that it happened. I feel like the WrestleMania brand almost was built around that streak. And then Brock comes in and he kills the streak. A third and five to The Undertaker! The streak is over! I watched the streak being broken, and I was standing in a production truck with two beers in my hand, and I damn near dropped both those beers. I didn't think it ever happened. It was so special to me, I couldn't believe it. Well, here's a guy who's larger than life, has been for as long as I've watched WWE. To watch him fall so quickly in one night was very, very disturbing. I was watching Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker from the press box. When Brock Lesnar pinned The Undertaker, the entire room of a couple hundred people went dead silent. I honestly thought I'd never see it. The Undertaker's mortal. When it happened, I thought it was a mistake. It was like the referee messed something up. I was in absolute shock. It's a great feeling to be able to do that match, but at the same time, my heart was broken that he did lose the streak. 
I was at WrestleMania in New Orleans, and I saw the graphic and the number changed. And I was like, what just happened? After a certain number, it was almost like he was never going to lose. I don't think there's ever going to be a moment that tops that one. I've been a fan of WWE for 20 years, and that one's by far the one that made my jaw drop the most. I don't think there's a moment in WWE that you will find where you will see that many people doing this. You never thought The Undertaker was going to lose. So that's something that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. It was hard to watch the whole thing from beginning to end, knowing the ramifications that came out of it. It's very difficult. I, I've never even gone back and watched it a second time. I just have let it kind of live. The greatest performer in WrestleMania history. The greatest streak in all of history. Ladies and gentlemen, you're coming live from EAT. Sleep, suplex, retweet on Strathclean Welcome back to Eat Sleep Suplex, suplex Retweet. Uh, that was some of the uh, superstars' reactions to the Undertaker's streak being broken. Which I think I can I can speak on behalf of everybody here was probably the most shocking WrestleMania moment uh, we've ever seen. Uh, but if you want to sort of uh, listen to more of us here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, you can follow us on Twitter at Suplex Retweet. You can like our page on Facebook, uh, and if you want to listen to some of our past episodes, uh, including our first Undertaker episode where we discussed uh, Undertaker gimmick matches, you can listen in on the iTunes podcast app on Apple. And you can also, but if you're on PC and Android, you can use CastBox FM. So, uh, gents, we have Kwaku, Alan, Stephen, uh, Ross, and Andy. Yes, we have Alan. All here. Alan. Yeah, and Alan's back as well. I don't know, he sort of, he sort of get cut off in the, sec- in the first half, but he's here now. Uh, Alan, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Good, yep. good. All right, well, you haven't, well, has he missed much? Yes, he's missed the full streak. <laughs> All right, so he's missed twenty matches worth of stuff. Right, Alan, just to bring you up to speed, uh, we're discussing uh, how the streak sort of came about to be broken. Now, I think there was a lot of talk that maybe the end of an era, Hell in a Cell, would be where the the streak would be broken. So, I just sort of want to open up straight away. What was your initial response to it being broken? Like, should it have been broken at all? No. Uh, I think it should have lasted forever. Um, I was horrified when it happened, um, especially since it was Brock Lesnar that did it. Yeah. Um, I'm not a Lesnar fan. I think he's a waste of time, if I'm honest. Uh-huh. And I'm quite angry when it happened. Um, horrified. I mean, the guy, the meme that he made yeah. of it. Um, that was my reaction in the, in the house I was in. I was watching it. We all sat there and we're just like, just that didn't happen. Yeah. No, we will. Yeah, I mean, we were talking and we were just expecting to kick up and we heard the thud for the three and we were all like, did that just happen? Yeah, apparently, it was just apparently the referee didn't even know about it either. Uh, that was the same yeah. thing. I think only Vince and Taker knew it was going to happen. Can you imagine though, that oh, referee? Mistake as well. And there was a lot of things online saying it was a mistake. It wasn't meant to happen at all. Uh-huh. Um, so it was, it definitely, as you said earlier, it's 
it's most shocking WrestleMania moment ever, and it's something I never thought would ever end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, the uh, there was a lot of rumors floating around that you know that uh, maybe Taker wanted the streak to be ended that night, but I think it was solely down to sort of Vince's decision. But I think what made it even more shocking was the fact that when the three count hit, like Lesnar's music didn't hit, the commentators, all, all Michael Cole said was the streak is over, like almost sheer disbelief. But I think that added to the shock factor, the fact that the that Lesnar's music didn't kick in. We didn't know it was like, yeah. was meant to happen. Mm-hmm. And Paul Heyman was like, you did it, you did it. Well, there was a thing that uh, Taker apparently picked up a concussion during the match. So there, there was yeah. actually the thing like, that he didn't know he was... And didn't know he would kick out, so it's it's it's, it's surreal kind of feeling. It's, it's just it goes straight to Heyman's face. His hands on his head. He's like, oh my god, oh my god. Like, yeah, it's like the emoji face where it's like uh, like no eyes, and he's like pulling his his face like the Home Alone kids meme. That's what it looked like. But the thing, <laughs> but the thing when you talk about uh, uh, Taker wanting to, the street to end that night, would Taker have picked? Lesnar? I mean, that's the kind of things, like, I don't see Lesnar being Taker's first choice. I mean, there yeah, was I, I, before I, I, it was Kurt Angle, you know? Uh-huh. But that's what I was just about to get into, like, was Brock Lesnar the right person to break the streak? Because, I mean, he came back a couple of years prior, and I mean, he wasn't like this undefeated beast of a monster. I mean, he was the beast incarnate. I mean, he'd won some high-profile matches, but see when it really counted? Like, you know, against John Cena at Extreme Rules, which was his first match back, and the previous year's mania against Triple H in the in the street fight, he lost those matches. So I think that was kind of losing a bit of uh, a bit of steam for him. Because yeah, going, in, going into that match, there was no hype. It was just a case of oh, it's just another victim for the Undertaker. Yeah, exactly. There wasn't the match hype. itself. Yeah, and the match itself was not great. Let's say, like Stephen said, like Undertaker got die. The concussion didn't help. What was interesting as well is um, in all the bookmakers' websites, naps and stuff, Undertaker was still the odds-on favourite to win that match. Usually yeah. they're pretty good at predicting winners, but they had Taker down still to win that match. See, that's how everybody was, how in the dark everybody was about it. And I'm pretty sure a guy, I don't know if this was a, a, a truce or not, but was it not <laughs> that guy actually bet his house on the Undertaker winning? I don't think it was as much as his house. I think it was, he put five grand on it. I've seen that one. Uh, it was like a large bet nonetheless, but it was like... Yeah, a- it was something like, he put five grand on, he was getting like, just under six grand back because they thought it was a dead set. So I thought, oh, 900 quid for free. And then he, could uh-huh. and he, was just, he just went, I don't even watch wrestling. I just knew it was a set. What the hell oh, is this? How bad, how bad is that? <laughs> I think he must... I saw something that was 33 grand, but I don't know if that's... <laughs> oh, oh. I, again, it was just like you know, it was a true story. A guy put on a large bet. We don't know. Uh, but yeah, it was the person to break the streak. And I think considering later that year, you know, that he debuted Suplex City against Don Cena in the match in SummerSlam history, the WWE Championship. I mean, if that was the Brock Lesnar we saw going into into Mania, I think you know we would almost be thinking right. I think Undertaker's really under threat here. But I, think I still love the fact we just saw him I as like another like opponent. The, yeah, I still love the in the build up to that match. Uh, the contract signing when Taker stabbed him with the pen. Stabbed him with his hand with the pen, yeah. Yeah, it's Lesnar's reaction. It's probably the best Lesnar sold a reaction for a while. <laughs> just like <laughs> Yeah. It wasn't much 
my sort of mic and sound like cut off uh, before. Did you mention like n- it never got mentioned that they had the Taker has never defeated Brock Lesnar? Like and then yeah, that was really something brought... I was looking forward to going on it. Yeah, no, you're right up. actually, yeah, I think by that yeah, they never brought up their sort of past encounters like in the two thousand Lesnar's sort of first run. Cause I mean they had a double disqualification at Unforgiven two thousand and two. Then there was the Hell in a Cell and then the Biker Chain match, which Lesnar won both of them. Can we forget about the Biker Chain match? <laughs> yes, we can. The Hell Cell match was so much blood in it. I mean, I think that was probably one of the brutal ones I've seen. Didn't Paul Heyman bleed as well? <laughs> he was in there. Uh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he yeah. by the tie, did they not? Maybe, I, I can't remember. Cell, yeah, against the match. Oh, against the, the Chain match, yeah. But yeah, uh, just to get just to sort of get like a, an overall sort of opinion, like yes or no, was Brock Lesnar the right person to break break the streak? Yes, I guess. Yes. I, th- okay. I think absolutely yes. A hundred. I'd say no. I thought it should always have been you Kane. It should have been Kane. I thought okay. it should have been Kane. Uh, Stephen. Uh, I said I would say no, but if they were going to do it, it should have been Punk. Mm. You see, Punk should have done it the year before. Absolutely. Yeah, Quacko. Uh, at the time, I'd say no, but now that it's all happened and everything, and you look at the reaction and everything has caused, I'd say yes, it's actually been quite a good decision. Because yeah. It's just the whole shock value, the shock factor. It shouldn't be predictable. It should be just like, oh my god, in the way like they played it out, like the referee didn't know, the music didn't come on. Just the, and the fact that look at the way we're all talking about it, you can't uh-huh. help but say that that's the right way about it. Yeah. Uh, Ross? What do you yeah, think? I, is? Oh, I have I, <laughs> I, I, I went first. I think it's Alan. It's not. Oh, Alan. Sorry. And, and, no, Sandy. Yeah, it's oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I yeah, I think Lesnar. Yeah, he should have broke it. He, he was the most believable out of them all. Uh, uh, and look at what happened next. Like I said, it's like he was on. You know, fair enough for the Goldberg sort of loss, but they built him to be this big, the next big thing. Not to use his old yeah. name, but it, you know, it was kind of like who was going to beat. Lesnar and that made wrestling interest and I kind of got on board with it. I didn't enjoy the street getting beat, like, but I kind of wanted to see who was going to beat Brock Lesnar next. Can yeah, I just no, as well, before we, we move on, you know, we've seen the way Brock's been booked since WrestleMania 30. You know, you've seen how hard he was pushed his first run for 02 to 04. Would this have been the plan all along had Brock Lesnar stayed? Maybe around about maybe a 22, 23, 24. Mm. Maybe there was, talk, there was talk that he was going to win title after title, but I mean the, the the I don't really remember really seeing much talk about them facing each other until that face off when Lesnar was in UFC. That was the first real time I seen them Lesnar being talked about as a WrestleMania opponent. Yeah, because it was rumored to be it was rumored about WrestleMania twenty eight. He rumored to be coming back, and we all thought. The Undertaker and obviously Lesnar didn't come back to the night after WrestleMania 28 and they fought Triple H, but that was the start of the the, the ball rolling, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, personally, I think Lesnar was the right person to do it, uh, yeah. despite what a lot of people might say. I think Lesnar was obviously the biggest threat. You know, if people were aware of sort of their past encounters, they would know that 
You know, Lesnar had always beaten The Undertaker whenever they faced off. I think he was arguably the most credible threat they've, they've had in a... Like, out of all the, the streak matches they've done. And at quite an iconic WrestleMania as well, like the 30th WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. It was, I think, easily there for the... Sh- it's, he is a believable winner. But, exactly. uh, but, you know, it's... You know, maybe timing, timing maybe could have been a bit better. But yeah, potentially. I think what annoys people more, I mean, it's, it's nobody's fault, but, he, you know, accidents happen in wrestling. He was concussed in the match, so it was down to Lesnar to sort of carry the match. Ah. Uh-huh. At this point, Lesnar was in his suplex, throw people about, you know, break people's arms, break people's arms. And it was, it was never going to be a good match once the ring general got injured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, moving aside from Brock Lesnar for a moment, uh, I want to sort of talk about the biggest threats to the streak from the past few years. Now, obviously, I think Taker acknowledged it himself that Shawn Michaels came closer uh, than anybody before he sort of faced Lesnar. Uh, I think Triple H was close a couple of times. mentioned like the, the end of an era Hell in a Cell. And that was, it took Triple H three matches and he's the Undertaker's most frequent opponent. You know, he's never faced anybody three times, but he's faced... Kane and Shawn Michaels both twice. But again, other big threats included like Randy Orton in his legend killer status. I think he was actually penned to to break the streak, you know, with the, the whole legend killer gimmick. But Orton, believe it or not, actually turned it down because it was purely out of respect to the to Taker. Mm. Yeah, another other Yeah, other names sort of floating around to sort of break the streak. Uh, there was Kurt Angle as well mm. for the following year. And believe it or not, I think Mark Henry was considered to break the streak. God, Mark Henry was terrible at that point in time. Yeah. He was so bad. Mm-hmm. He was brilliant in the Hall of Pain gimmick. And obviously when the salmon jacket came out, mm-hmm. fair enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but at 2006, I mean, come on, he needed Davari as his mouthpiece. Uh-huh. Yeah, he would yeah. not have been believable to win. A lot of these, I said that was a casket match. You know? Yeah, a lot of these sort of uh, names that were floating around, I think they turned it down purely because they didn't want to be the one who broke the streak, despite the fact that supposedly Undertaker wanted the streak to be broken around that time, sort of, sort yeah. of the mid-2000s time. But I think Randy Orton in his Legend Killer, you know, the first year the streak is officially recognised on a build-up, it would have made sense if they went with, the, with Randy Orton breaking it. But... I think the original plan for Kurt Angle at WrestleMania was to face The Undertaker in the streak match and have Angle win. But that's why it was moved to No Way Out that year instead, the the last SmackDown pay-per-view. Well, and I remember not, seeing... The Taker not ask for Angle to break it. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's right, yeah. As well. well, that's another one. But, like we were but, saying about Brock Lesnar, a believable, a believable, a legitimate athlete outside the WWE, a believable person yeah. to break the streak. You don't get more legitimate than Kurt Angle, do you? No, you do not. But I remember watching their World Heavyweight Championship match at No Way Out that year. And I have to say, I think it's probably one of my favourite Undertaker or Kurt Angle matches that I've seen. Because the storytelling was amazing. You know, that he was the phenom, he was the wrestling machine. And there was spots galore as well. There was an angle slam through the announce table. There was uh, the use of the triangle choke a bit more. Not the, the Hell's Gate, but it was just the, the original sort of triangle <laughs> hold. And then Angle rolls through uh, into a pin. And it, so it was a kind of controversial ending. It wasn't really a definitive one because Taker thought he won by submission. So there was sort of some dubiousness about it, but it was still a win for Angle. 
So it didn't sort of hurt The Undertaker too much, but it still sort of gave Angle the win. And I think that's probably the best way they could have booked it. See, but that year... Oh, yeah, sorry, on you go. Oh, sorry. I was about to say, it might be maybe a snarky thing or an unpopular thing. Undertaker, before this Kurt Angle match, had had good matches for like for context and for build-up for the feuds. And, you know, but I think this was Kurt, uh, Kurt Angle's match with him at No Way Out. I think it was his first truly great just wrestling match. Yeah. You, you can sit down and watch this now with no context as a wrestling fan and just go, that's a great match. Whereas the Absolutely. Other- the other ones you need to build up or you, you had to watch it live, you know. It, it was shock factor, whereas this one's just, it's good wrestling. The promo package on the build-up to it was was incredible as well. Because yeah. I, I remember I taped No Way Out and I still watch it over and over uh, just for the sake of watching that match. Yeah, it's an, it's an amazing. And Taker was just coming out of his, uh, his long feud with Randy Orton as well. Like, he'd faced them, um, I think, on four separate occasions. Uh, once at some, like, obviously the one at previous WrestleMania... The, there was the rematch at SummerSlam, which Orton won that time. And I think that made sense for Orton to go over during that one. It was just on a big four. Uh, then there was also the casket match and then the Hell in a Cell. But but then after that, he had the match with uh, with Kurt Angle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think as well, we were talking about, you know, Randy Orton, you know, he was young, he was a build-up. I think it would have made more sense if Undertaker wanted him to break the streak. Have WrestleMania 21, have Undertaker won, and then the build-up to the next year, redemption, Alton saying, I've learned from my mistakes. Undertaker dismissing him as just a child. Uh-huh. He, he was like 26 at the time. He was 25. Yeah. 25. Oh, there you go. Like, just Undertaker, like, look, I've seen them come, I've seen them go. I fought, you know, Rock, Taker, uh, Rock, Kane, Triple H, Stone Cold, beat them all. You're nobody. Have Taker just dismiss him. And then when Alton wins... You know, you could have done the same thing with the with the Lesnar thing. You could have had just the silence, no music, just the shock yeah. factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing, the thing when you talk about that as well, though, is like that was the first year that the streak was actually really mentioned in such a big deal. So if Randy had broke the streak at that point in time, would it have felt as special so many years later? You know, would it, it wouldn't have felt as special as when Brock beat beat it. You know, it would have been like, oh, we fuck, we've mentioned it and he breaks it. You know, no, no, I think it actually but... helped the occasion. What I was meaning was have, like, you know, the, the year they mentioned the streak first, mm. have Undertaker win, and then the next year and the rematch, the redemption ah. story. Ah, mention okay. It again. Mention it again, and you know. So he faced Orton a second time. What actually? What if it? What if they did that at WrestleMania 29? Because remember, he was one of the sort of uh, four yeah. contenders who was going to face him. Maybe they could say, "Oh, it's eight years later. I've I've grown. You know, I may not yeah. be the legend killer anymore, but now I'm a viper, and I'm going to take you out." That's what he said. Yeah, I mean, how school raw as well? Like, that was that was the kind of attitude he had. Yeah, that was just... mm-hmm. There was one more name that was floating around uh, at the time. You know, we had Kurt Angle, Mark Henry, uh, but I don't know if you guys remember there was a program, a sort of Survivor Series 2010, where Undertaker had an interaction with not just one but a group of superstars during his Buried Alive match with Kane. Can you remember? Who, can you know him referring to the Nexus? Yeah, the Nexus. The Nexus. Yep. <laughs> Like, one of the names rumoured to break the streak was actually Wade Barrett. Heath Slater. Should have been Heath Slater. Exactly. Wade Barrett, as the leader of the Nexus, was probably one of the best book characters right up into maybe... Actually, no, probably up until SummerSlam, because after that, it just fell flat. But, can you imagine, can you imagine uh, Wade Barrett hitting the wasteland? It's one, two, three, and it's... The streak is over. 
Yeah. <laughs> See, I didn't, the, and the Nexus fume hits. We are not one. <laughs> if he had the bullhammer back then, I think it would have been more believable because the bullhammer looks like it actually hurts. Yeah, I think it was Big E. He beats for the Intercontinental title. Uh-huh. And they're both running the ropes. And he flies across the ring and he hits him a bit more than it means to. He absolutely knocks Big E out. We are flying elbow. It's not like our truth's one where he misses him completely. Yeah. Not yeah. But could you imagine the... Sorry, 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 Ross, on you go. No, could you... Sorry, on you, I'm done. Get some control here, gents. Uh, you're the host. <laughs> uh, uh, could you imagine the promo the next night on Raw, though? Like, rain style. Absolutely silent. And then it just goes, Well, I'm afraid I've got some, got bad, some bad news. Might drop. How good would that be? Oh, yeah. Can you imagine that, though? We were talking about the, you know, the silence after Brock Lesnar. Can you imagine the silence and then the silence breaking? We just, here is your winner, Wade Barrett, and then I'm afraid I've got some bad news over the tannoy. Oh, the booze that would have rained down. <laughs> I'm afraid I've got some bad news. The streak is broken. <laughs> How good is that? I've just said that out loud. It just sounds excellent. Then they did that with Daniel Bryan when it got it's from Royal Rumble, and then it was Wade Barrett came out of, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Like gold dust no, no, shattered dreams. It was, it was gold dust shattered dreams that came up. Yeah, mm-hmm. just, just to be total bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, going uh, beyond the street being broken, Taker did continue to compete. Every... Oh, Quacker, take talking off streaks being broken. That's the swear, swear band streak broken. Uh... Oh, my lad. <laughs> yeah, explicit. Ross, you've done so, you've done some things on this podcast. You've shouted into mics. You've <laughs> you've disrespected your mother. And then... <laughs> you know, I told. Sorry, just a wee a wee look behind the curtain. I I told my mother when she, uh, she she was at a night out and she came in and she a few drinks and then I said to her, I went, "Oh, by the way, I mentioned you in this podcast." And the the pride, the gleaming smile. <laughs> oh, you mentioned me on the radio. And I thought, right, I'm not going to take this away from you. And then my brother was the one that told me, because I'd tell my dad, I'd tell my bra, and it was my dad, my brother. Mother, what you said about her on the radio? And I said, <laughs> next day, when, when, when she had a wee tarry a hangover, she just was not amused. I was going to come here for work on Friday morning to find the locks changed. Uh, well, <laughs> wrestling related, somebody call my mama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Mrs. McLeod isn't going to put Ross up for adoption before, she's definitely going to do it now. <laughs> oh, damn right. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> after the streak was broken, Undertaker did continue to have matches at WrestleMania where he faced Bray Wyatt, uh, Shane McMahon, and of course, everybody's favourite, Roman Reigns, in future WrestleManias. <laughs> do, do you think the streak should have just like ended after it was broken do you think it was necessary to keep going no I, I felt it was a waste it was just the, the mystique was gone it was like, was yeah there was a ton was of mis- it was all about the mystique factor and you see at Wrestlemania 31 it was still daylight when he faced Bray Wyatt so and given oh, that the character both of these characters were sort of dark characters of darkness you know it just really didn't feel the same anymore I was going to mention earlier when we were talking about earlier streak matches. It's like he usually came out in daylight a lot in his first few matches, and it just destroys like who he is as a character. He needs to come out. It needs to be dark, you know. I uh, like WrestleMania Nine was was outdoors and it was mostly daylight, wasn't it? 
I mean, WrestleMania 9 was still daylight when, like, the show ends with Hogan with a title. I'm pretty sure no. it's still daylight. Yeah, it's no, daylight the full show. It's daylight the full <laughs> show. The only thing that was black that night was Hulk Hogan's eye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. And there goes Hulk Hogan on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, brother. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. We'll just forget about the Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt match in daylight for, for now. Uh, but the following year, I think, was even more bizarre. Because Shane McMahon made his uh, made his return that year to probably one of the biggest pops of uh, of of the whole year, just about. And then, literally, the night he comes back, he gets thrown into a Hell in a Cell match with the Undertaker. And we're thinking, where has this come just come from? It made absolutely no sense. Yeah, it was like the most bizarrely booked match of the entire card. That that like, match, I didn't want. I didn't want to watch WrestleMania because I was like, "This is ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. I'm not interested. I don't care." I, yeah, it will jump off the cell, but I'm not. Yeah, watch it. supposedly. Yeah, I think, I think one of the things to remember though is the fact that you look at that. Like you look at the people that were injured at WrestleMania or couldn't wrestle because of insurance issues or had to retire that year. You know, like The Rock couldn't do a proper match. You know, let's leave the six seconds out. Cena was injured. Cesaro was injured. Randy Orton was injured. Sting retired. You know, those five probably would have done an amazing match on their own. <laughs> yeah, but did, did, did they need the sell? Did they need to have the well, sell for the, for the one spot again, as we talked about with the boss man and, match? Yeah, the boss man match, again, it was just the hell in the cell that really was the selling point. I think the match, you know, it probably wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have done so. But from, from what was going on, I think WrestleMania 32's ticket sales were actually not doing so well. Because I think everybody thought the the main event was just too predictable that Roman Reigns was going to win and he was going to get his big coronation, but I think that's kind of why the Hell in a Cell was sort of thrown in because they thought it might spike ticket sales and believe it or not, it actually did, mm-hmm. and we got to see that amazing spot where Shane jumps off the cell. That, but that's, that was a that was a yeah. moment made me realise I'm old when I watch wrestling because I was like I was like is, is Shane okay? Is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that was, uh, again, it was, the stipulation was if Shane won, which nobody believed he was going to, he would get control of Raw. Yeah, and but, that sort of put a twist on the angle that Undertaker was sort of Vince's representative. And like, how does that even work? But then he got, he got control the next night anyway, and the week after. Yeah. It's like, it was just, what is this you, continuity? That was before was, the road He's still about as well. He's running. Smashing. That's yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> so, right, two years later. See the thing they say wins and losses don't mean anything in WWE. But this was pre- the match was a one-spot thing. WWE's about moments now. It's not really about matches. Yeah, but this is pre-Road Dog. This is before the Road Dog was in power. Yeah. <laughs> no, but... Yeah, it, it was purely for, I think, personally, I think it was purely for the spiking ticket sales because it wasn't doing so well. Didn't Vince want Shane to win? And Undertale was like, no, it's not happening. I, I, I had the rumour about that, that the original plan was for Shane to win. Is that mm-hmm. the, was that the same as um, when Coach was going to be on in 2005? I when I was lifting my couch. Okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's... Uh, the Hell in a Cell, I think we can all agree, was probably just for just for show. I think booking-wise, it just, it just didn't make any sense. But it racked up another win for Undertaker. And at this point, he was... 
23 in one, I believe. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So again, 23 matches, 24 matches, only one loss. And then came his 25th match, the most recent one from last year's WrestleMania, where everybody was thinking he's going to face John Cena now because he's close to retirement. Everybody was uh, saying, oh, after this, he'll retire. Who better to face than John Cena? We get everybody's favorite big dog, Roman Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we set peace, King Roman. I said, someone's phone go off. Yeah, uh, I, if I knew how to like get him out of the conversation, I would. <laughs> yeah, the host but yeah, oh, Roman. God bless Cole. Roman Reigns at last year's WrestleMania. Do you think he was the right person, or do you think it should have been John Cena? Definitely John Cena, hundred percent. Yeah, because Roman Reigns came out at number thirty in the Royal Rumble, which nobody expected him to do, and it was just the most deflating moment of the Rumble. He eliminates <laughs> Undertaker. He eliminates Undertaker, and that basically says, yeah, we're going with this program for WrestleMania. I think nobody was buying it. Well, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I mean, imagine being going, as Josh said on one show, going to WrestleMania, and then you had at the start of that show, and Strowman takes out Reigns. You're like, I'm getting Strowman Reigns. I can deal with this. And then the Rumble is like, uh-oh, no, I'm not. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, Josh and... Uh... Yeah, Josh went to WrestleMania last year as well, and he was telling us the atmosphere of it. Like, towards the end, you know, because Undertaker Roman went on last for for some reason. But, I mean, it can be debated that, you know, why would Undertaker Roman go on last when it's not, like, the Royal Rumble winner or a title match? Mm -hmm. Because everybody was saying it was going to be Taker's retirement. It was sad in a way. One, because it was potentially Taker's last match, and two, because he was so bad in the ring and you didn't really like seeing Taker in that type of ring shape you know yeah it yeah. just looked yeah, it was, it was, was that it was watch with that reverse tombstone just like oh, yeah, that, that was it was a very sloppy match purely because I think Taker was you know by this point he was 26 years in the business he was beaten broken and he had a hip replacement too so, I mean, I think he just couldn't carry a good match anymore. Even... That's the thing as well. The amount of, like, although we can talk about how his character's booked, I don't think anybody can deny Roman Reigns is a great wrestler in ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's sad as well because it just gives the detractors something to say. The match itself wasn't Roman's fault because it's Roman's only bad match on pay-per-view in 2017. Uh, I think Every because, other I think match it's... he's had has been stellar. They put too much pressure on it, I think, because, you know, obviously it was the last match. It had to close WrestleMania on a high. But yeah. I think, obviously, management were still obsessed with the fact we've got to have uh, Roman Reigns, the big dog, standing tall over his opponent. The big dog! The big dog! But yeah, seeing, seeing Roman Reigns like, in the main event for a third year in a row with his hands held high, it was just so deflating to watch. Not because, not necessarily because Roman won, but it was un- only Undertaker's second loss in WrestleMania history. So sort of that puts Roman Reigns on par with Brock Lesnar now. And I- I- I'm not too sure. I think if they had the chance to, I think they would have they would have gone with John Cena because I remember when because John Cena and Nikki Bella were in a, were in a program with Miz and Maurice at the time. Oh, I, remember, 
It's like there was a yeah, like San Martino's a... Bisco. Hi, there was a there was a promo between Cena and Miz. I Miz was cu- criticizing Cena for saying, "Oh, he always gets his way. He can make matches without general manager's approval." And but then Cena fires back and says, "If I had this ability to make matches this year at WrestleMania, I'd be facing the Undertaker." So I think he was addressing the rumors, and I think it really sort of got people talking about it. It's funny when well, you talk about that with Cena because spoiler alert on SmackDown last night, he just shows up on the show after being on Raw for a month and going, I want to be in the title match. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, so does everybody. Get, get in the back of the line. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I wonder, like, obviously we know WWE's booked, you know, by a crazy old man. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine, though, if it was real and you had people like Kurt Hawkins and Heath Slater every week going, I'm going to WrestleMania and I'm main eventing. Just like, no, no. <laughs> It is weird to give people that promo to do. It is weird to to think that, yeah. But I don't think there's actually anybody else who Undertaker could have faced bar John Cena. I mean, you know, there was... I think they were too overzealous with making Roman Reigns the guy to do it. I don't know whether it's just to establish him as the top guy again before he goes on to win yet another Mania, probably, at this year, against Lesnar. Yeah. Or maybe... Yeah, they won, no doubt. Or did they want the Cena and Nikki to be at WrestleMania for the Total Divas angle? <laughs> Cena and Nikki against Miz and Maurice that year. Do you think that was just the Total Divas story? Yeah, did, the Total Divas and Total Bellas story. I, I did read something yeah, that was saying that um, the reason why Cena won at Royal Rumble for that 16th uh, title was so because I think it was Kevin Dunn that proposed that he should propose to uh, Nicky in the ring, and I think that was why I got the title. Uh, I read it like on like one of the dirt sheets. Yeah, I've seen that as well. I think it was Meltzer reported that. Yeah, because I think the original plan was for him and Undertaker, mm-hmm. but Kevin Dunn was like, why don't we do this instead? And he was like, oh, I'm not sure. Well, I'll give you the 16th. You know? Ke- Kevin Dunn is very... comes up with some bad ideas. This He's the skid mask of wrestling. Yeah. yeah. So but I don't know why he... How is he, still, how is he still employed? Yeah. I think he's trying to do his uh, nepotism. I think his dad helped McMahon out like in the past, so he just had a job for life. Jeez. Right. Uh, but yeah, do you think a second win damages the streak even more? Do you think it was already dead by when Lesnar won? Well, See, that's, that's what we're, t- we're talking about the, the mystique of the streak. I actually think it ending adds more intrigue to his matches after it. Because uh-huh. it's no, it's like he's lost before. Will he lose again? You know, it's no as mm-hmm. if it's no as if. Oh God, I can't believe X, Y, or Z broke it. No, we've already got that argument. We brought Lesnar, so it is a case of well, we can do what we want right now. Yeah, it just didn't feel the same afterwards. Sorry, no, I'm just saying it doesn't feel the same. But at the same time, you know, it does add the intrigue of well, Undertaker's beatable at WrestleMania. Uh huh. Yeah, I think I because. Think he hasn't had good matches afterwards. If he was still having good matches, I think it would still be a bit like, yeah, oh, it could go either way now that the streak's gone. But we know he's getting old. We can see he's getting old. And and it's kind of a bit like you should really kind of retire now and you know, and stop having to keep wrestle. Mm. But yeah, to pretty much all of them now, do you guys have any sort of favourite streak matches out of the ones we discussed? Because me, for me personally, I think... 
I found the the end of an era Hell in a Cell to be one of the more interesting ones, just from a, a storytelling perspective. Yeah, should we go around the panel? Yeah, let's go around the panel. Uh, Stephen, you want to go first? Well, like you say, end of an era is one that's talked about all the time. You've also got the ones with uh, Punk and there's other ones as well, Michaels. But one of my favourite ones, and we did talk about it earlier, watching it back, I really did enjoy it for the full programme, was the Ric Flair one. Yeah, yeah the Ric Flair one, yeah. I thought that was great. I thought the full build-up was great, the whole thing, like, I'm going to beat up your best mate, your son, and the match itself. It's surprisingly really good. It's a surprise. I'm, I'm debating myself. I originally thought WrestleMania 17 was my favourite. I'm really more than swinging to 18 now, and that's part of the reason for it. But yeah, that's a gem of a match, I would say. It's Ric Flair's it's his first real match back in WWE. Yeah. Not quite, he's won with uh, McMahon at Royal Rumble. So yeah, I'm going to go with Flair at 18. Okay, Alan? Um, I'm kind of tied between uh, End of an Era and ah. 14 when he fought Kane. And Kane was kind of a cross between Lesnar and Braun Strowman. He just couldn't get put down and the, the three tombstones to finish him. And I really, really enjoyed it because I think that was his first proper real credible threat to us, even though it wasn't really mentioned at that time. Um, but in the end of the era as well, you pretty much thought it was game over when they got the switch and music pedigree back to back. And he still kicked out. So yeah, I'm kind of no, tied between the, the two of them. Music pedigree combo. I mean, that was the moment I thought that's it. Streaks over. Uh, but yeah, the the Kane one was definitely uh, definitely the most credible threat uh, of all the ones at the time. Uh, Ross, Andy, who wants to go first? Mm-hmm. Go uh, was it? I would always say like Michael's twenty five. But going through the matches uh, last night. Uh, I've got to say the Edge one is really good. It's, it's so different in in comparison. Like one thing I noticed watching all the matches back, the the spot where they go for the some the opponent goes for the tombstone and then Undertaker reverses it happens so many times. And it's just yeah, like, it's... and just the one with Edge because he keeps just trying to do the same stuff, but Edge just keeps reversing them at every uh, start. And the way if the match finishes that spear, then he just gets some the Hell's Gate. It's just I think that's really good. I think that's very underrated. Yeah, 24 was a really good one too. I think if they just beefed up the whole streak versus streak thing a bit more, I think it would have been uh, it would have been a better sort of story to tell. But yeah, no, again, I think that's probably one of the more underrated matches uh, that, the, that there was there. Ross? Yeah, I'm, I'm tied between the end of the era just for the simple fact that it was Spotfest, three of the best of all time were involved in the match. I think that's really all you can say about it. But one I like, just we were talking about the storyline, the streak versus streak, Edge and Undertaker. I like the story going into that for the simple fact we were saying earlier, Edge had his number. And I always like storylines like we've got it in NXT at the minute with Gargano and Almas. The heel has the face's number. And yeah. Heels are always better when they have facts in front of them. And Edge's fact was the same as uh, Almas is leading into Gargano's match last week. Was, you can't beat me. Why would I give you this match? You can't beat me. And it was Undertaker having to go through the Elimination Chamber just to, which he started at number one, just to get the match with Edge. He had to uh-huh. fight off, you know, the likes of Chavo, the legendary Bam Neely, who we're all still talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Vicky Guerrero, uh, big, GM. Big, you know, you had, big Daddy V. <laughs> you had uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins there. You know, he had all those people to fight off. And doesn't sound impressive when you bring it back like that, you know, but five on one, you know, even Undertaker can't help with that. 
Just ask the Spirit Squad. Oh, God's sake. <laughs> just undercut my argument there with the Spirit Squad. Jesus Christ. Yeah, <laughs> just lowered the bar for you. No, but I did, I did like the storyline of, you can't beat me. Why is this time going to be any different? Just because it's WrestleMania. I have your number. And then Undertaker overcoming it. You know, I think it made it yeah. so much better. And it was the match that clo- and, it, and it closed WrestleMania as well. It was one of his only, I think, two actual main event matches where he won a ch- where he won a championship. I think he's getting four. Like, it was it was 14, it was 14, 14 24, the cha- 26, 30. Yeah, but, but two were for the championship. Oh, sorry, I, I, thought, I, I thought you said just two for normal. No, no, no. Uh, the two were one championship <laughs> were main events. Yeah. I, I, as you were saying, I, 20, 14 and 24, uh, he's only two. Sorry, 13 and 24, the only ones that were championship to close the show. Yeah. No, that's right. So, uh, oh, wait. Well, Quacko, wait, Quacko, do you have uh, any particular favourites? Your favourite match? Uh, yeah, favourite streak match. Uh, yeah. End of an era for me. Uh, uh, 28, it was just just the whole thing. And especially, I, I quite liked the ending of it because it was like basically all three of them were just like I mean with obviously Sean being the special guest referee but Sweet Chin uh, gave deliver a Sweet Chin music to Undertaker uh, they all took lumps of each other but the, just the ending of all three of them walking out together was just such a good ending for it Sean plays a big part uh-huh. in that match he big time so much he adds to it so much he's just his reaction see the point where uh, was it Taker kicks out of the the, the, the Sweet Chin Music Pedigree combo, it's amazing. Just he's like, oh God, what have I done? In the corner, mm-hmm. it's so good and it just makes it feel so much bigger. Mm-hmm. He's just like, oh God, what have I done? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just the fact that, like, even though he Sweet Chin Music them, and it's still that kind of thing, like, you know, normally with special guest referees, if they don't like the person, they don't count them, or they'll give another uh-huh. person a, like a fast count. It's just that level of respect. He still called it down the middle, even though he did that. Despite the, the super kick, yeah. yeah. No, so it seems like the general consensus is, like, uh, we were all, well, most of us are fans of the end of an era, but I think the opponents themselves, I think, sort of made the match. You know, we said we had Edge and Kane mentioned before. Uh, and obviously, obviously, Ric Flair, greatest of all time. But uh, yeah, again, all of, I think all of those uh, matches were pretty good. And I think the, uh, the caliber of the opponent as well makes the streak that, that more special. It's just when you face, like, think of guys like Giant Gonzalez and King Kong Bundy, even Mark Henry, you know, it, it doesn't feel as special. So when I think one of the difference makers to making a good streak match is also not just the storyline that comes with it, but also the quality of the opponent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the general consensus. Uh, but yeah, we're sort of coming into the last sort of five minutes of the show. Uh, I guess we should, all that really has to be asked now is what's next for Undertaker? Because it, it seemed like last year he was uh, he had hung up his jacket, his hat and his gloves and hinted possible retirement. I mean, the only time we've seen him since was at Raw 25, where he came out and cut a sort of really bizarre promo the fans were chanting one more match. Uh, this week on Raw, John Cena called him out. and But, you know, we think, we have to wonder, is it going to happen? Will he be at WrestleMania 34 or is he or is he finished? Yeah, oh, he's going to be there. No, they, they wouldn't mention him yeah. on TV. Otherwise, exactly. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, Was anyone seen Michelle McCool's uh, Instagram? 
profile recently? Because she posted a picture of him well, lifting weights I and mean, training. It doesn't really suggest anything. I think it just shows that maybe he's just working out in the gym. Yeah, but because he's he wants to keep healthy. If you think of it previous years, so it would take. Yeah. She normally does it around about this time. Mm-hmm. Well uh, again, you know, maybe it's just maybe they're te- maybe they're teasing it. I don't know. Yeah, but in previous years, he's always done that. There's always been the pictures come out of him doing weights at this time to kind of for that one. I mean, why he's retired? Why else would he be making such a big deal? I mean, I think they probably could. It's going to be a big thing involving Cena being desperate to be at WrestleMania. And yeah, he's good. That's what he's going to be. He's like, I. Ah, he's going to be desperately calling Undertaker out of so-called retirement. And I think, as I've discussed with many years privately, I think this could be career versus career. Yeah, that's that would be a big, big selling point for mm-hmm. WrestleMania. Yeah. That points in their careers that they could both get away with. Let's be honest. It's usually around Fastlane that this kind of thing comes up with the Undertaker. When you think about like with Bray Wyatt when he came out to the Undertaker scene in the coffin and so on, it's usually around fastly when these kind of matches are made. Yeah, yeah definitely. Do you think he'll show up at Fastlane? Do now that see, spoiler alert that John Cena is in the he, WWE he, Championship match. He won't show up in person if he does. Amazing, but he'll definitely interfere in some way because the gong maybe. That. Ding, ding, gong. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that's what it's called, but I will go with that. The gong. <laughs> the... Well, we can't call it the, the dong. Dong. That's a good way to distract an opponent. Yeah. It's usually <laughs> with a dong. dong. It's usually the gong, and then the lights cut out, and it's not because somebody forgot to stick a tenner in the wacky. <laughs> Hashtag beast for the for our, our American friends, that's it. Electricity. <laughs> they could just have uh, someone impersonate them just uh, show up in the ring. <laughs> Keep slittering. Again, the legend that should have broke the street. He's, <laughs> he's got he's got kids. I've got two Keith Slater references in, in this podcast, and if I accomplish nothing else in my life, this is my crown. Well, you've done it there. All right. We've done it so, well. Will we see Cena versus Undertaker at WrestleMania 34? Final point. Yes or no, Cena versus Undertaker, will it happen? Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yes. I hope it does too. Yeah. So yes. I think we're all in, in conjunction well, with that. Look, when it, when it was mentioned the Raw, listen to the pop it got. Oh, yeah. I mean, the booze that you, that like, there's usually a, a split reaction to Cena with cheers and booze. But as soon as that was mentioned, there was no booze whatsoever. It was just all cheers and a good pop. So yeah, it, WWE noticed these things. Yeah, did they notice that they were popping for Daniel Bryan and they didn't include him in the Royal Rumble in 2014? Uh, yeah, but they, fi- yeah, but they, they fixed well, that and put him in the, they, the they media well, That's why I mean they noticed these. I uh, better late than that never. That was the best remember? Um, yeah. Speaking of listening to the crowd, has Shane McMahon not said noted twice in the past four weeks about exactly. Rusev? Oh, where, Rusev? Where, where, is my, where is my Bulgarian Bay Rusev? Where is he? <laughs> Where's Save Ruru? <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. Oh, let's, so. uh, let's wrap it up here. So there we go. That was the, the highs and lows and all the, the best points of the Undertaker's streak at WrestleMania. Hopefully, we'll get to see it one more time against John Cena this year. Uh, but first of all, just want to say thank you to all our panel here. Uh, Alan, Stephen, Kwaku, Ross, and Andy, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want to thank listen you. to more of our uh, past episodes, 
you can listen to us on uh, iTunes podcasts if you're on Apple or Castbox FM if you're on uh, PC or Android. And we're also now on Anchor, so be sure to follow us there at Suplex Retweet. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Suplex Retweet. Like our Facebook page. Give us a thumbs up. And if, of course, you have any comments or topics you want us to discuss, post them in and we'll, uh, we'll pencil it in for a future show. But that's going to do it for us this week on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Be sure to tune in next week where we'll be discussing the life and times of the Texas rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And if you're done with that, give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you. You're not missing. You're missing something. You forgot something. Hell yeah. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm just covering but, my back uh, from last week. This week what? as well. This week as well. Strathclyde Fusion uh, Radio are doing a another charity weekender like last year. Uh, so on Saturday and Sunday, the third and fourth of March, I believe. Yep, third and fourth of March. Uh, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet are doing a special one-off show where we'll be discussing the best of 2018 thus far. So we'll be discussing topics of Wrestle Kingdom, uh, Raw 25, and everything else in between. That will be taking place uh, on Sunday at around, was it 5 p.m., I believe, or 7 p.m.? 7 p.m. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. So, yeah, be sure to tune in to Strathclyde Fusion Radio Takeover for that. Uh, and be sure to tune in for our Stone Cold Steve Austin show next week. And that's the bottom line, because the modern-day Maharaja said so. Oh, <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>